it's a risk that you need to take right now. If you went through your entire life not taking risks, do you know where you'd be? Like, it's, I mean, it's risky to drive a car. It's risky <laughs> to do any of these things. It was and risky to walk on the sidewalk this morning. Actually, it was like I needed yes. ice skates. It's risky around. to be on Facebook Live because we could both say something regrettable right now and we'd be fired from our jobs and have to find another profession. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612 341 4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's twins. It's a beautiful day Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the twins in MLB. Play ball. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hi, hello, hey. Oh, uh, hi, hey. hello. Didn't see hey. you there. Uh, what's up, Twins fans? Derek Wetmore and Phil Mackey here doing a little different version of the Tuesday morning coffee Q&A. Ordinarily, I do one on the 1500 ESPN Facebook page where I basically just take all of your questions. Bye, Phil. It's nice seeing you. Uh, This time we're going to do it a little bit different uh, because it was basically all Vikings all day today. So we haven't done the Q&A, but Phil and I are going to do a Touch Em All podcast. We're going to do it on the Facebook page, but you're still finding it on all your regular places, iTunes, uh, Podcast One Minnesota, 1500ESPN.com, all of that. Uh, We're welcoming in questions, though, because we're sick and tired of talking about, are the Twins going to trade Brian Dozier? I don't know. We're going to see. In fact, that will be where this episode starts. But if you're joining us on Facebook, please feel free. Send your questions. We'll get to as many of those as we possibly can. And we'll include them in the podcast this week. So fire away. Uh, Brian Dozier questions are going to come, Phil. And we should address those as they come. But, uh, man, is there any more blood left in that stone? I feel like we've been squeezing it for a couple well, of months so now. Well, so I think the, the question now is, with the World Baseball Classic pushing spring training up a little further on the calendar, uh, bringing it closer to winter meetings, there's going to be a time crunch here now. I think once you get past the winter meetings, there's really no deadline for action. Um, now that February is on the horizon, something has to happen in the next few weeks. And so my question is, if you're the Dodgers, can you afford to not trade for Brian Dozier. I'm going to put myself in the shoes of an Andrew Friedman uh, and some of the smart people in that front office. If you're sitting on a team that's a playoff contending team and a team that's made the playoffs the last couple of years, and you have Clayton Kershaw in his prime, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball, absolutely hands down, and you don't really have a Major League second baseman, you don't really have someone that you'd feel comfortable plugging into a playoff lineup, especially when you have to have a pitcher batting ninth, right? and you have the Chicago Cubs in the National League, and you have the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants and some other upcoming teams, can you really afford to say, eh, we really like these two top prospects, and we'd prefer to play the long game with them in the middle of Clayton Kershaw's prime? Yeah. You owe it to Clayton Kershaw, Los Angeles Dodgers, to pull the trigger on a two major prospects for Brian Dozier trade. So I don't disagree with the premise. I think that if you're the Dodgers, it makes all kinds of sense, all of the sense in the world to try to go get Brian Dozier. We've talked about it a lot in the past. Payroll, uh, positional need. How about also 
the fact that they didn't hit lefties very well last year and Brian Dozier could rake. And you need home runs. The the Dodgers, it makes all kinds of sense to go get Dozier. I'm not trying to say that. But think about this, Phil. If you're the Dodgers, do you need a World Series lineup in April? I almost don't think you do. If you're Los Angeles and you're Andrew Friedman, you can kind of stare down the Twins in this poker game and say, all right, hey, fine. You need Jose DeLeon plus a top prospect? All right, fine. Good luck going into the season with Brian Dozier. We are going to re-sign Chase Utley, or we are going to wait until Ian Kinsler is available at the trade deadline. I think if you're the Dodgers, you've got a good enough team that you're going to win 90 games with or without Dozier. And then if you add a five-win player to that in July... Maybe you're fine with that. Here's the problem with that logic. You don't want to get stuck in a coin flip game, in a wild card game, and the Giants yep, are in enough. your division. Yep, fair point. So can, so can you really afford to sit there for three months and wait for the price to come down on a Brian Dozier? Uh, now, from the Twins' perspective, I think the reason why you just want to, if you're going to trade him, trade him now. We've seen how Jekyll and Hyde he can be. And even if teams know that a slow start doesn't mean a slow finish for Brian Dozier, in fact, a slow start might mean the exact opposite, they're not going to say that to you at the deadline. Like, if Brian Dozier starts slow, and you're talking to teams in late May or early June, and he's batting 190, and he's he's, he's doing kind of what he's done in the past few years, teams aren't going to be amenable to the logical side of the conversation, which is, well, but you know you're going to get 30 bombs from him in the second half of the year, right? They're going to say, well, wait a second, he's hitting 190 right Mm -hmm. now. We might have given you two top prospects after the winter meetings, but not anymore. Yeah, the price has changed. Uh, that's one thing that I think the Twins are at risk of doing here. I wrote a column for 1500ESPN.com, posted actually just seconds before we started this video. The timing is really slick. Uh, that basically said if the Twins are posturing, if the Twins are you know intent on trading Dozier and just saying things to uh, subterfuge, right, trying to mislead and misdirect the fans, the media, maybe other front offices. They're doing a masterful job of it. The Twins have said the right thing at every step of the way. I posted a column uh, that that said there's an MLB Trade Rumors poll that's out right now. Have you seen the poll? Uh, posted this morning, Tuesday, as we record this. I have not seen this. Okay. Yet. MLB Trade Rumors said, do you think that the Twins are going to trade Brian Dozier? Gave some background on, you know, rumors and all of this stuff that's gone on this offseason and opened it up to a fan vote. Yes. No. Over 9,000 votes had been cast at the time I published this column. Dead even. 50-50. It was like 50.7% think that they won't trade Dozier. 49.3% think that they will. Like okay. that, It just couldn't be more dead even with 9,000 votes in. We'll see what ends up happening. But my point is that if it's misdirection, they've done a really, really good job of tricking people into thinking... Oh, I don't know. It's up in the air. I also think there's just a natural stalemate in that if you are the Dodgers, okay, we know it's going to take uh, a top pitching prospect. So Jose DeLeon, uh, peace out. It's been great. We, we know we're going to have to give up a top pitcher. But we really don't want to have to give up two of our top three prospects, sure. and uh, including uh, of one of them, one of the top hitting prospects in baseball in this, uh, this Bellinger, Cody Bellinger, yeah. right, first baseman. So on the twin side, you're sitting there saying, well, Dozier's got two years left on his deal. He is, and I see the question here from Jim, which we're going to get to. And, and by the way, uh, throw your questions in the comment section. Yep, we'll if get you're to following it. us on Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN. Um, 
Well, he's our most marketable asset, and quite frankly, it'll help us sell tickets if Brian Dozier is hitting 35 or 40 home runs in the lineup. So uh, both sides can say, well, why? Well, then you blank first. I know. Uh, Jim's question is, everything you're talking about that's a hard sell for season ticket holders, trading away one-year marketable commodities or your most marketable uh, commodity. And Jim, in the short term, you're 100% right. You are trading away your best player, your most exciting player who hits a bunch of home runs. Brian Dozier is a more exciting player the last two or three years than Joe Maurer ever was. And I'm, and I'm a Joe Maurer apologist up until the last two years. He's a really exciting player. The guy hit 40-some home runs last year. But if I'm a front office, I'm never thinking about marketability short-term. Marketability long-term is winning. So if you get some of these organizations like the Knicks – going out and getting Derrick Rose, or the New York Jets going and getting Tim Tebow. You see these organizations in sports all the time. Let's make the big short-term marketing splash. That's a long-term losing strategy. So I would rather sacrifice marketability and ticket sales in the short term if it helped me become uh, long-term winning sustainability and all those things beyond 2017. I've gotten a lot of questions about this on my Facebook page. You know, we do these weekly Q and A's. Um, people are welcome to comment on that page anytime. I have basically been banging my head against the wall about this take because Jim, you're not the only one by far. There's a ton of people who agree with you. Not marketing 101 to trade away your best and most marketable asset, someone that season ticket holders basically love. Mm-hmm. How about the flip side of this coin? If you don't trade him. I would argue that's even worse marketing. You are effectively saying, all right, fine. You guys want popular players? We're keeping all our popular players in the name of being worse long-term. If we don't think uh, we can improve enough to win a World Series, fine. We'll just keep the guys that you like, and we don't care about winning. If someone sticks around long enough to become marketing marketable and popular, that goes against everything that Thad Levine has said since he took over, since he was hired as GM uh, by Derek Falvey. Levine basically said one of the most difficult parts about his job, that profession, is separating the emotional quality of, I really like this guy, fans really like this guy, and we've become attached to him as an organization. They yeah. did it with Michael Young in Texas. Thad says you can go down the path where – you just get too emotionally invested, and it clouds your judgment, and you make bad decisions. So I will argue, Jim, uh, that actually it's a worse marketing play to not trade him if you think it's going to be better for your long term. To basically tell fans, yeah, we're going to try to win, but we're not going to try our hardest to win. We're just going to kind of try and then also keep the guys that you tell us that you like. I think that's a worse marketing play overall. Uh, Colin says a lot of Brian Dozier questions, which is understandable because Weird. what else? What else it's, is there to really <laughs> care like, about with the Twins right like now? It's like that's the big thing going on. Uh, do you guys? Colin says, do you guys personally believe that a Dozier deal will get done? And if so, um, my white sweatshirt's preventing me from being able to read this. Oh, my douchey white what, sweatshirt. Slide, what's slide the, out of here. What's the the package they're going to get? I, well, I don't. I don't know exactly what. I, I think they're going to wind up getting Deleon and one of the Dodgers' other top five prospects. Do I think a deal is going to get done? And I'll let Derek answer too. Yes. I think they trade Brian Dozier before spring training. I think they trade him sometime in January or like the first week in February. I think they do too. I think if they don't, they're overplaying their hand. Or here's the other thing. And I wrote this in the column too, but I'm not going to be able to describe it as eloquently. What I basically am trying to get at with the stare down, the poker match that's going on between these two teams right now, is like what you read 
is what one or both of those teams wants you to know about it, right? Media is the same way. You know, I might know 5% of what's going on in the Brian Dozier sweepstakes, but there's a lot of names that are thrown out that I will never hear as a media member who talks to these people regularly. It's just, it's the reality. I've seen a, a small portion of the overall picture, and everybody's like that. The John Hammonds of the world don't know everything that's going on, even though he knows a ton about what's going on. So when you read about DeLeon's, the the inclusion of DeLeon, no, well, that both teams are comfortable with that getting out there. And one thing that I don't want to overlook is that uh, we we sort of get down these roads and we read you know one trade rumor and we're like, okay, well now it's DeLeon plus and it's all Dodgers all the way, baby. I'm not. I I try not to step too heavily out on that branch, out on that limb, because we don't know. But I will say that logic says, from my perspective, the Twins would be making a mistake. They would be overplaying their poker hand if they go to Fort Myers with Brian Dozier still as their second baseman. I just I think they'd be making a mistake if they did that. Yeah, I just I, I think this would be. Uh, and, and there was a question about you know value and when when you should make the trade. And even Mike chimes in: a trade is a gamble, but a gamble you better take. Um, I just don't think you're going to find, unless you get super lucky, and three teams at the trade deadline this July or June are all vying for a second baseman. But think about how the stars would have to align for that. Teams are going after pitching, and teams are going after bats, but maybe not specifically second baseman. So right now the Dodgers need a second baseman. And there's a couple other teams in baseball that are kicking the tires, according to our own uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson. He said, there's been some conflicting reports about this, but he said the Cardinals are in, the Giants have kicked the tires. Once you get to, like, let's say July 20th, and five teams are looking to add a bat, well, Dozier is, is no longer just in the pool of second baseman teams that need second baseman. He's in a pool of teams that just need a bat. So now his value is diminished by a first baseman who might be available with another non-contending team or, uh, or a left fielder who might be uh, with a non-contending team. I pose the idea of a slump, too. What happens if you go to Fort Myers, Dozier's your second baseman, he bats leadoff for you and hits 200 the first two months of the year? Very real possibility. Sure. We saw it last year. And somebody shot back to me with, well, yeah, but what if he hits 350 with a 400 on base and has Mm -hmm. 20 home runs? Yeah, what if? But the point is, you're gambling. Hi. I'm Quino from the Crafty Rogues podcast. My partner, John Cosgrove, is about to tell you what we do. Um, I am, really. Every week we're on a microphone talking. Isn't that what we do? What do we talk about? We talk a wee bit about football. We try to pronounce East European countries and people with weird names like Pepe Gariola. Check us out on Podcast One, iTunes and 1500ESPN.com. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch Em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Right now, you have at least sort of a body of work that you can go to teams and sell and say, look, we know streaky hitter, up and down, got it, but... When you look at the end-of-the-year stats each of these years, here's what you're getting. 
I think that it's a much clearer picture if you're the twins to sell that bag of goodies rather than what's behind mystery door number two, which is how will Dozier hit in the first half? I don't know. I wouldn't risk it if I was the twins. Michael chimes in. We've seen the chance involved when trading everyday established players, see Denard Span, mm-hmm. for unproven arms in an Alex Meyer. Yep. Um, and I'm gonna. I, I know that there's more to the question, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna take that chunk and say that I don't think. Alex Meyer is comparable in this situation because you're dealing with a totally different top of the front office. In fact, Thad Levine and Derek Falva, you could argue, come in at least with experience uh, more recently developing pitchers compared to Terry Ryan. Better experience, I should say. If Alex Meyer had been acquired by the Cardinals or the Giants or the Indians, would he have been a different pitcher? We don't know for sure, but I think the odds are likely that he would have been hmm. a better pitcher coming up through a different pipeline. He came, in, came into the Twins organization in A-ball. Right. That's another thing. Alex Meyer was a high A pitcher at age 21 or 22 when they traded for him, and that was a one-for-one deal. Jose DeLeon is 24 years old and has already pitched six starts in the big leagues. So he's conquered double and triple A, and he's pitching in the big leagues. That's a way different starting point when you're trying to gauge the percentage chance a pitcher has of panning out. I agree with you on that. I disagree that they're totally different. I think, uh, who was that? Was that Michael? I You scrolled past the Yeah, comment. Michael. Uh, Michael, I agree. I think it's similar. It's not exactly the same story. No two trades are exactly alike, but the Span-Meyer trade actually mirrors this a lot. You're basically giving up on your immediate present and giving up in air quotes because I just I don't think it drastically changes things to, to not have a sort of a five-win second baseman on a team that's probably not winning the World Series this year. Uh, but similar in that the Twins basically said, we need top-end starting pitching, and we need to use current assets to make that happen in the future. Now, to Phil's point, they did shoot lower on the uh, the minor league ladder than what you'd ostensibly be shooting for if you were trading with the Dodgers. But the same idea. Go get somebody who could be a top-end starting pitcher. Trade a, uh, you know an everyday established veteran player with two years left on his deal in Dozier's case. I I agree. I think it's a risk. But to another commenter's point, they they said it perfectly. It's a risk that you need to take right now. If you went through your entire life not taking risks, do you know where you'd be? Like it's I mean it's risky to drive a car. It's risky <laughs> to do any of these things. It was and risky to walk on the sidewalk this morning actually. It was like I needed yes. ice skates. It's risky around. to be on Facebook Live cuz we could both say something regrettable right now and we'd be fired from our jobs and have to find another profession. That's not true because I can actually cut our mics off mid-sentence if you really want to. I could just turn these off and actually they're locked. So I'm screwed. You see, yeah. <laughs> You're stuck. Uh, I think I think that it's a solid point, but Phil also has a good counter here in that Meyer and DeLeon are in different parts of the development ladder. I will say that a lot of people around baseball thought that Alex Meyer was going to be a stud starting pitcher. Baseball America had him ranked really highly. He was one of the Nationals' top pitching prospects at the time. Well, it didn't work out for the Twins. Would another organization have developed him differently? I don't know, but it's really hard to get into that sort of counterfactual argument of what would have happened if this and this and this. It's I can't know that, but what's interesting to me is that DeLeon's kind of already shown you with his strikeouts in the minor leagues that he's at least got something going for him. And if I was the Twins, I might be pretty intrigued by a rotation led by DeLeon and Berrios to strike out arms that they haven't had at the highest levels since Johan left. That's a, that's a whole other thread, too. Uh, Jose Berrios, I think it's easy for Twins fans and, and even people covering the team to look at his 10 or 12 starts or whatever it was last year 
and just be bored with him and write him off. Like, well, that guy had a 9 ERA. He got rocked. Uh, there's a pretty good chance Jose Barrios becomes, at worst, a number two starter still. And maybe that happens starting in April. Uh, Nick chimes in, Twins history has shown trading a top player has netted us nothing. See the Johan Santana trade. How will this be different? Nick, you're taking an awfully small sample size in a different front office, too. You're taking the Johan Santana trade and I think the Denard Span trade and and equating that to nothing. Remember, too, way back in the late 90s, and Terry Ryan was the uh, was the GM of this trade, too, Chuck Knobloch landed them a franchise shortstop in Christian Guzman and one of the key starting pitchers for the revival in Eric Milton. That was in, like, 1997 into 1998 season. It goes to the Yankees, Chuck Knobloch. And it lands you two cornerstones for a team mm-hmm. that wound up winning a bunch of division titles. So, But even to take just those three examples and try and glean something statistically sure. significant from the results, um, I just, I, I'm just i not going to do that. How about A.J. Pruszynski? I mean, if we're using those oh, trades, right, can't two, we yeah. say, okay, can't you say, look, and now I'm, I'm just being tongue-in-cheek with this here, but follow me down this path for a second. Why couldn't you then point to the starting catcher who they were ready to replace in the lineup, which I think the Twins probably are. We could talk about that. We've done that on other podcasts. If the Twins have somebody in place in second base and they're willing to move on from Dozier, who what's to say? And now these trades don't happen anymore, but just hypothetically, you trade A.J. Brzezinski to the Giants for Joe Nathan, Francisco Liriano, and some guy named Boof Bonzer. That's a great trade for the Twins and is still talked about as one of the great fleecings of the last 25 years. Why don't we throw that into the equation For then, sure. too, if we're talking about uh, other trades that the Twins have made? But the larger point that I'd like to make here, and I think this kind of goes without saying, but I get so many of these questions that I'd just like to address you all all at once. We don't know hardly anything about this Twins front office. We know Derek Falvey took over. He hired Thad Levine. They signed Jason Castro, an indication they're probably more into advanced analytics than Terry Ryan was, but not, you know, a surefire, clear-cut thing. And then they fired or uh, uh, they found a new scouting director. I shouldn't say fired because they actually promoted Darren Johnson from that position. But they found a new scouting director in Sean Johnson, and they're considering trading their current best player. That's all we know about the current front office. We don't know Anything else, and to so to say, typical twins, they're going to screw up this trade. I think that's completely unfair to the new guys without really even giving them a chance to prove what they'll do in these situations first. Yeah. Um, something else to, to, uh, to consider, too, when looking at um, potential trade rumors and all these things with Dozier is that we're only focused on the Dodgers. And you, and you wrote about this, too. I mean, yeah. We, who, maybe they're three quarters down the road with the Giants right now, and we don't even we don't even know. So Jose DeLeon is the name that people keep coming back to. Well, what if he's a bust? What if he's this? Um, I, I would say the reason why the gamble makes sense, even if the Dodgers are the only team and Jose DeLeon is the only pitcher that we're, that we're uh, talking about, which I guarantee that that's not the case. You have to examine the ways in which you are capable of landing top-quality starting pitching and be realistic. Because, A, there's not going to be top free agent starters on the market every year. B, if there are, there's going to be multiple teams competing and driving the price up to $20, $30 million a year on those assets. And C, if you do sign some kind of a $20, $30 million a year starting pitcher, he's likely going to be 29 to 32 years old, and you're going to have to give five to seven years on the deal. It's a terrible contract. So that's just not a very realistic or appealing way to go about acquiring a top-end starting pitcher. Well, the only other two avenues are, well, three, I guess. The June draft, 
And a lot of those kids are 18. And even the 22, 21-year-olds aren't going to be ready right away. You're going to have to wait a couple years. Second would be international free agents. And a lot of those pitchers are 16, coming from the Dominican Republic. You want to wait even longer? Mm-hmm. I mean, you should still explore that avenue, of course. But you're going to wait if you're, if you're signing a 16-year-old pitcher, maybe five or six years, and uh, they might fizzle out. So the most surefire way, and it's not 100% given that you're going to land someone, but the most surefire way as a mid-to-small-market team to land a top-starting pitcher is to trade for one. And you can't trade for one unless you trade maybe one of your best commodities. So I know I saw um, my buddy Eric Perkins from Care 11, who I love. I love Perk. And Perk tweeted the question a couple weeks ago, sometime over the holidays. Am I the only one who wants to hang on to Dozier and explore other avenues for you know landing top-starting pitching? Which, by the way, you can't win a World Series without top-starting pitching, so that's why it's so important. And my, my answer was, I mean, honestly, there are really no other realistic avenues. The free agent market was pretty bone dry this offseason. You want to wait till next offseason to try and get Rich a pitcher? Hill. You could have had Rich Hill. Yeah, he's like he's like fifty for God's yeah. sake. So, anyways, um, do you have any final thoughts on the Dozier thing before we take more questions? No, we have wrung the the rag as dry as we possibly can. A lot more coverage on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. If you haven't seen that stuff already, we've done multiple episodes exclusively focusing on Dozier. I'm kind of just ready for it to be done, and it sounds like the Twins might be too. Did you see the report in the Star Tribune this weekend that said, "Hey, step up to the plate, teams, with your final offers. If you want Dozier, give us your best package now." Step How many times to- has that ever worked? Step, How- was step up to the plate really like the dumb? Was that a cliche? Yes. Anonymous no. source in Twins front <laughs> office. Step, Step up, up to the plate. plate. Hey, we're talking to you, Los Angeles. I think. Hey. How many times have you ever like? Let's say you're out. You're a single guy. You're out at the bar, and you walk out there, and you walk in by yourself, and there's maybe you judge there are six or seven women here who might be single. Mm-hmm. You ever walk up there and be like, "All right, I'll buy any one of you a drink." Step up to the plate, ladies. This is your last year. I'm walking out of this bar right I now. I am single. I'm gone. I'm gone. Give me your best offer. It's like, that doesn't work. It doesn't put teams under pressure. In fact, I'll argue that the team that's under the most pressure here right now is the Twins. Going back to the Johan Santana trade, I even looked this up earlier today. Did you know Rod Carew was traded in February? Rod Carew was traded February 3rd of 1979. Santana in was at the first year of Bill Smith's GMing of the Twins was traded February 2nd of, uh, two, would that be 2008? So what happens is if a deal doesn't get done, the first deadline, and it's a it's a fake deadline, but the yeah. end of the winter meetings, hey, we're all here at the hotel together, let's get a deal done before we all fly home, basically for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get a deal done in that time window, well, there's really no reason to rush anything on January 5th or January 10th, but on February 3rd or February 5th, when pitchers and catchers are about to report and you want your guys in spring training... Uh, Real quick, Tim chimes in. Quit making excuses for the poll ads. They have money. But, Tim, here's the thing. Well, two things, actually. No one on this podcast is making excuses for the poll ads. We have, we have no investment in defending the poll ads. In fact, we've been hypercritical of the ownership for two years on this show, almost the full two years, yeah. about the lack of curiosity, the lack of innovation, the lack of hiring outside of their own family pipeline. And by family, I just mean the pipeline that they've created within the organization for like 20 or 30 years, they very rarely hire influential people from outside the organization. Those things, they deserve to be hammered for. The money thing, all 30 ownership groups in baseball have multiple billions of dollars. So if your argument is, well, the Polats have billions of dollars, they should just pay more. Well, then they would fire their gun, and then 
the Dodgers ownership group would say, well, all right, I guess. I guess we have to reach a little deeper into our pockets. Because there's no salary cap, whether you want to count your own money out of your own pocket if you're an owner or just the money that you play within, you know, sort of the revenue box, which the Twins are very low on that totem pole, you're sitting at a poker table with other multi-billionaires that have more poker chips than you do. So um, there is no poll ad defending on this show. We're just pointing out the facts and being realistic. Yeah, we don't need to talk about how they're the short stack at this table. We've had lots of podcasts with that. And we know about being the short stacks <laughs> at the table. I think that's the title of the podcast right there. The short <laughs> yeah. stacks at the table. Yep. We should probably stop the podcast soon after uh, that, actually. Does anybody else have any non-Brian Dozier questions? Yeah, I'm curious about this. Oh, there it is. Nick, can I ask a bullpen question? How do we get this pen into shape over the next two years? Do we have the assets in the minors to fill in? Great you have followed the team much more closely from that perspective uh, in terms of like talking to people who have actually worked with these pitchers. Your thoughts on internal options before exploring uh, some of the expensive external options. Don't write off JT Shagwa. He was rocked in his debut against the Red Sox. He's a live arm. I also really like Ryan Presley. I am, if I'm the Twins, pulling Trevor May out of the bullpen and putting him in the starting rotation, so that does take away a late-inning arm. I just wrote about Brandon Kinsler the other day for the website, and Kinsler, great story. I don't mean to take anything away from his 2016 season. Drafted in the 40th round originally by the Brewers, the fact that he even surfaced in the big leagues is amazing. And then to have a you know, up-and-down successful career with 2016 being one of his best years, uh, signing a minor league deal with a major league invite to spring training with the Twins, phenomenal story. But as I wrote in the column, it's not really that, that column's purpose was not to say whether he will continue that. I'll break this to you right here. He's not a high leverage late inning closer option on a World Series winning team. That's not breaking any news. He doesn't strike anybody out. He relies on extreme ground balls. Did you know, Phil, that he was the fifth most extreme ground ball pitcher in American League bullpens last year? The one outlier is Zach Britton, who <laughs> I I knew it was crazy. I didn't know it was this crazy. 80% of batted balls off Zach Britton are ground balls. Are you yes. serious? You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. 80% ground ball rate. The next highest is 65%. Yeah, and then it's like 65, 64, 63, 61 is Kinsler. That's incredible. To put that into context, if you have a 50-plus percent ground ball rate, yeah. you're doing pretty well. You're, Kyle you're Gibson, killing enough worms. Kyle Gibson's a pretty good ground ball pitcher, and I think he's in the 55, 56% so ground if ball. If you're Zach Britton and all your really you know, hitters, all, hitters are capable of hitting a ground ball and just Missing the pitches, right. striking. Right? <laughs> yeah, those, those are the, are the two, two things, and uh, Take and, a pick. Ca- and causing some uh, some some wind, I guess, for the opposing dugout. Let's just a couple more arms. Um, you always look to starters who then did not work to see if they could eventually become a bullpen guy. I do think the Twins eventually will have to add an ar- outside arm or two, and frankly, they're going to have to have an answer over the next three years at closer. I think Glenn Perkins can be the immediate answer. I know the labrum surgery is really significant, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Perkins bounce back and be a closer in 2017. I would be shocked if Perkins was a closer in 2019 and the Twins are sort of riding him as their late-inning end-of-game option. I don't see that as a likely outcome. Um, this is on Perkins real quick. This yeah. is going to be a really uh, important year just for his career oh, going no forward, doubt. I think. Um, you know, he's he's very realistic about this type of surgery. There's only about a 20 to 30% chance maximum that you come back as the pitcher you were with this type of shoulder surgery. So, you know, does he then turn into, does he reinvent himself in some way? Uh, I know he has aspirations to potentially work in the Twins front office at some point. So 
just depending on how bad the season is from a team perspective and if he can't come back fully from the surgery, this is probably the last year on his contract. If they don't want him back, I don't know if he would go pitch for another team at you know 50% of what he was at his peak. So I think he wants to stay in Minnesota. If, if, if the Twins deem that he can't be a part of the team beyond 2016, I almost think he'd rather play a role in their front office than go like, Revive the career with the Marlins or something. Mm. That's my read on it. Um, some other bullpen. I see you pulling up your guy. I'll let you pimp him in a second. I also, I actually think people look past Taylor Rogers a lot, and I think Taylor Rogers quietly had a really nice year as a lefty out of the pen. I don't see him as a closer, but I think if he's your lefty arm or if Ryan O'Rourke's your lefty specialist, like you could do worse. The Twins have definitely screwed up some things in the bullpen in the past, I'll say, four years, but they do have. And I, and I basically I've said this every year, but it's never been more true than now. I think they've got some intriguing arms in the bullpen. You could see them putting together a staff that actually makes some sense this year. Whereas last year, I think I was I was banging my head against the wall all winter, saying, "Am I am I on crazy pills here? How can the Twins go to Fort Myers with this as their bullpen?" And other people were basically dismissive and saying, "Like, no, you're you're overrating this." In fact. Our buddy Doogie got a text, right, from a Twins front office member saying, you need to call off the dogs on tell, – tell your boys at 1500 ESPN to calm down on the bullpen. And then guess what happened? Yeah, blind – The bullpen was terrible. Blind squirrel, you know, we're right <laughs> once in a while. Right? I got lucky uh, knowing that there was a non-zero chance that Glenn Perkins would get hurt, and there was a non-zero chance that you'd regret having Kevin Jepsen as your backup plan. Now, thank your lucky stars for Brandon Kinsler. I think he's a nice seventh-inning option for you going forward. But do you have a back-end solution that you're 100% lock-solid on right now? I think the answer is no. Uh, a couple more questions. We're going to wrap this episode up. I think we make once every month or two we're going to do this where we combine a Touch Em All podcast with the Facebook Live yeah. Q&A. Let us know. I mean, if you like it, on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter and just tell us you want more of these. We'll do them. Jay Sweeney asks, Could we? and a couple people have asked, which prospects could we see in the big leagues this year? Uh, Jay Sweeney asks, could we see Tyler J? The uh, the first rounder from I believe Illinois, he was drafted out a couple of years ago, make his debut. Um, yeah, I think I, for sure. I think so. If, yeah, it depends on. I'll give you another one here too. I don't think he makes his debut in 2017 because I think he's too far away as a starting pitcher. But Fernando Romero, who uh, is he 22 now? He just turned uh, 22 on Christmas Eve. So uh, he, Fernando Romero is a flame throwing right hander with a great breaking ball who at high A Fort Myers last year had a 188 earned run average and struck out 10 batters per nine mm-hmm. and barely walked anybody. So he is the best non-major league pitching prospect in the organization and probably surfaces in 2018. So keep an eye on Fernando Romero. Um, well, we could take these questions all day, but let's put a wrap. It's been a half hour. Sure. Derek Wetmore, I'm Phil Mackey. If this is your first voyage on the Touch Em All podcast, Thank you. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can download the Touch Em All podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com and other third-party outlets. And that's also where uh, something like, I think, 18 of our 1500ESPN-branded podcasts live as well. So Let me plug my Facebook before we get out of here. If you like Twins Talk, you're going to find no better place to go than uh, Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. I'm just starting that page out. I'm trying to grow it a little bit bigger. We've currently got... I think we're approaching 250 fans on there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But you have a big family, so yeah, there's a lot of family members. My mom created a couple ghost accounts to like like that page. <laughs> but thank you for coming, everyone who already has. If you're not already on the bandwagon, jump on before it fills up. A lot of fun twins discussion over there too.